0: that made it feel like it was a very a very large family. And uh, working with a, a family where you know that uh, you're appreciated and that you can me. contribute something along with I everybody else, me. it just, it, for me, it was I'll a very, it was an excellent so fit. Just can be.
1: This is another episode of a special series called Enough For All. Of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Miros Bloom, and I welcome you to another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the special series called Enough for All of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen, during which we talk about an organization called Church World Service. Today, um, yeah, well, actually, as always, I have a a great guest today who will introduce himself. Bill, please go ahead.
0: Good morning, uh, Maurice. Uh, My name is Bill Sage. And I have spent uh, about 25 years working with CWS in many different uh, facets and programs. But initially, uh, I came to know CWS back in 1975 when I sponsored a refugee family in Richmond, California. And the uh, sponsoring agency was CWS. So I had an opportunity to Be in touch with the New York office, but also with their affiliate, which was located in uh, Oakland. So that's how I initially met and uh, came to recognize Churchwell Service. And thereafter, in 1982, I joined the the affiliate office there in Oakland, and I was there for about a year. And Churchwell Service then asked me if I would go to work with CASA in New Delhi, India, which is the church's auxiliary for social action. Uh, So, I was there uh, working with them on some of their emergency drought programs and helping them uh, close out some old programs and open some new ones. And then I returned in 1985 to the New York office, and there is where I remained. Uh, for quite a long time, many years. I was with the Division of Overseas Ministries first, the Southern Asia office, and then I moved over to the Immigration and Refugee Program for uh, most of the years until sort of the closing years of my experience with Churchill service, which was uh, after September 11 and the formation of the Interfaith uh, uh, response team, which uh, we worked around the tri state area from 1920, uh, uh, oh, uh, sorry, 2001, until the hurricanes in Florida came in the fall of 2004. And we then took our training and workshop programs to the Gulf Coast, and we finished there in 2006. So my experience has been varied, but I think, um, I think two things which were very important to me during these many years and experiences, and I think one is I was very proud that Church World service was able to open up the refugee processing for African refugees starting in 1993. Uh, we opened an office in Nairobi and later in Dakar. Uh, and it was the beginning of recognition that there are African refugees, and Churchill service took the, the lead on that. I think the second most important, um, they're all important, but I think the one that really stands out the most in terms of, uh, of detail was our response after September 11 with the uh, Interfaith Trauma Response Team. That uh, particular initiative started, I guess, on the same day as uh, September 11. um, After I'd seen the two attacks on TV, I tried to get in touch with Rick Augsburger, who was then the director of the emergency response program at CWS. And he was in New Mexico at the committee meeting. I spoke with him, and they were trying to figure out how to get back to New York and finally ended up renting an Avis vehicle. And it took them uh, three days and two nights to get back here. But when he returned, he and I met uh, mostly by phone for a couple of weeks because they uh, they had set up their operations in New Windsor at that time. Um, we were not sure that there weren't going to be more attacks. So everyone was being very cautious. And so they set up their operations in New Windsor, and he and I were in touch back and forth. One of the things we did early on in recognition of how we might be able to respond beyond the material response, and we did donate a lot of blankets to the first responders working down around ground zero. Um, That happened probably on the 12th and 13th of September. But Rick and I talked about this, and we decided that we would have someone come from Oklahoma City. She was a consulting psychologist by the name of Dr. Katrina uh, Cochran. Uh, Actually, it was Katrina Bright at that time. She subsequently married during the time that we were working together. In any case, uh, her experience of working in 1995 after the Murr bombing in Oklahoma City led her to have a lot of experience about how to deal with the trauma, uh, particularly with first responders, with the communities, with the churches who had uh, individuals who were lost during that attack in Oklahoma City. And also, because it was considered uh, to be a crime scene, the way to deal with that kind of a situation was much different than, say, responding to a situation where there may have been a great deal of material and possibly human loss, say, in the flood or tornado. The context was very different because at the event of September 11 was uh, considered a crime scene. So Katrina came out to New York on the 22nd of September, and um, Rick had authorized me to set up uh, operations at the South Gate Hotel, which is across uh, from Penn Station here in New York City. And we set up uh, the first meeting, the kind of planning meeting, and we had uh, we had an interfaith uh, meeting, in the sense that some of our colleagues from the highest the Hebrew Immigrate and uh, Migration Agency uh, joined us, along with the Mennonite uh, uh, professors from the Eastern Mennonite University, and we sat uh, around the table and did planning. And we organized how we were going to approach this. And we held the first first, uh, workshop of any agency in New York City on October 22nd.
1: Thanks, Bill. I, 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 I just want to ask you, because when I'm listening to you, and you had experience at that time already of working in know, a country like India, uh, for example, we had worked on our immigration and refugee program as well. So, and I heard you say, you know, this situation that we experienced was different than after a flood or after a hurricane. Um, I would like to, can I ask you, you know, what were some of the, so to elaborate a little bit more on how was the different, that particular situation? Yes, it was in the US as well, which I think was different. Um, but also the experiences that you had so far in working in other countries on different topics, how was it useful for you and uh, for Seedable US as an organization to respond effectively to 9-11 or the post 9-11 activities?
0: So prior to uh, September 11, um, having worked uh, overseas in Thailand during the, um, the refugee crisis, beginning in 75, and then in uh, India. Uh, India, there was a great crisis at the time uh, that uh, Indira Gandhi was assassinated. Uh, there was a great deal of uh, trauma at that time and loss of life. Many emergencies um, that I had been a part of in the past, Um, led me to part of the uh, experience, I think, more in organizing an activity of response, because I'm not a psychologist, although Rick insisted over time that I I do take the courses at the critical incident uh, training in Baltimore. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, but I am a good organizer, and I think that particular skill is the one that I brought to the 9-11 experience, because what I recognized was on our first workshop, where we had a very large attendance on October 26, we then were able to make contact with those clergy and chaplains and different interfaith groups to host the trainings and workshops around the areas in their churches or in their synagogues. Uh, wherever we were able to work with them to organize this we also did it uh, the workshops in spanish mandarin and arabic uh, because uh, we had a large uh, arabic population in brooklyn Uh, all of these were communities that were affected
1: i heard you say that you're not a psychologist so what what was your background or what is your background uh, bill what did you bring where you would you know what were your training uh, and <laughs> i think the listeners would be interested to hear that
0: uh-huh. well i'm a graduate of arizona state university and my studies were in um, uh, specialization on latin american area studies and i had hoped to work in latin america when i graduated in 1968 Uh, Unfortunately, I was not able to find any kind of opportunity at that time uh, because of of the ongoing war uh, in Indochina. Uh, However, uh, the opportunity presented to me to go with International Voluntary Services, so I went to Laos in uh, 1969 and for six years I I was there. That was actually my first overseas experience. And of course, there were a lot of emergencies there during the war, uh, both with refugees and and communities that we now know and call displaced uh, persons, displaced communities. So that experience um, came along the way. And then in in, uh, 1977, I was the head of the refugee program in Bangkok, now working with the embassy there and the refugee program. I was working for IRC at the time, but that whole next four years were a different experience, but again, mostly around organizing, uh, which is what I like to do and um, probably what I do a little bit better. But as I said, I'm not a psychologist, but a lot of things in the process of organizing, you just begin to understand better ways of of handling and working, particularly with people in different cultures, different language, different uh, contexts, backgrounds, economic status, and so on.
1: Thank you for sharing that and so uh, you know going back then in jumping forward again to situation after 9 11 so you and and cws and and mennonites and who else you know started to organize these uh, you know trainings and and uh, yeah so can you elaborate a little bit on that and what do you think were, uh, you know how did that play out in terms of giving the support that was needed at that time?
0: we held these uh, planning meetings to try to organize what we thought, uh, particularly based on the experience that Katrina, Dr. Katrina uh, Bright uh, brought from her experience in Oklahoma City. And, and then after the organizing the material, because we had handouts, we had to think about the materials that we wanted to share with people. Uh, And we also thought about language because we recognized that, you know, below Canal Street, there were many communities, uh, particularly Chinese, but also uh, across in Brooklyn, Arabic communities. Uh, So we recognized that language is an important thing, too. So in the process of organizing this, we had a chance, you know, in the first workshop, to ask people that were attending. We had them fill out a a form. They gave their name and their background. If they were a chaplain, a minister, bereavement counselor, were they a superintendent of one of the the church schools in New York City, or were they with a social uh, service agency like the Lutherans or the Catholics? By talking with them initially in the first workshop, we came to recognize what would be the most helpful content because we asked them, what is it that you would like to get out of this workshop or presentation? What would you like to take away from this? And that gave us the idea of what should be the content as we went forward uh, until we finished up, particularly around the New York City area in 2004 and I think it was June of uh, 2004 but then the hurricanes came in Florida and we took the uh, ITRT down to Florida at Rick's request and the first one there was on the October 14th. Can you explain what ITRT stands for? Yes, ITRT is the Interfaith Trauma Response Team. We wanted to work interfaith, and we did. We, were, we had attendees who were rabbis. We had, we had social service from the, the uh, highest organization. We had uh, some imams who attended, particularly in uh, New Jersey. Uh, so, it was interfaith, any religion, could attend, and it was to help them understand trauma, particularly how to deal with their congregations uh, and the people that they work with, particularly the ones that had lost considerable numbers in in 9-11. We had one pastor who came from New Jersey. They lost 40 individuals in their congregation. And that was a very traumatic situation for that pastor to deal with. So trying to help them understand that there are other other groups that they could connect with for help, that it, sometimes it's not just one individual that can handle such an overwhelming uh, grief situation. What I would say about what happened in Florida and then subsequently along the Gulf Coast is— that we put not only the emphasis on the spiritual and emotional care that they needed to impart on their congregations, working their congregations, but we put a lot of emphasis on self-care, because many of these pastors and chaplains, social service agencies, even we had some people from FEMA or the state governments who attended, and the self care was so important because people were that attended would tell us how how they were spending hours and hours trying to respond to their congregations because of the overwhelming loss the overwhelming material loss that uh communities had suffered at that time and then of course um hurricane katrina came and and so we, we finished up in 2006, but the, the difference between ITRT implementation around New York and the tri-state area and the response after the hurricanes in Florida and the Gulf Coast was that we put a lot of emphasis on self-care. You got to take care of yourself first because you can't take care of anybody else very well if you don't do it for yourself first. And you're setting an example as well. One thing that I think everyone, certainly I learned, I think a lot of people that we worked with also would agree with, and that is, there's a big difference when we go in, for example, Church World Service goes in to work with communities, that have been impacted or seriously affected by natural disasters or even uh, a, a mass situation, mass loss of life, as such as Combine. And that is perhaps governmental agencies or quasi governmental agencies like FEMA or so on, they all have a time expiration date. And churches don't have an expiration date, they're there to continue working with the community for as long as they can or need to be working with, because they're, not, they're providing not only the spiritual and emotional care for the community, but they're oftentimes very good advocates, to, particularly with the governmental agencies, in pointing out where there are lapses or shortcomings in resources for communities. Uh, the church leaders are, are great advocates in that area. That's a very big strength. And I would say that during these years, from September 11 until we closed in 2006, I think we had every churchal service denomination, one of their clergy, their chaplains, who attended one of these workshops. We did 102 of them from that period of September 11 until we closed in 2006.
1: Thanks, Bill. I mean, I, when I listen to you, what, what, you try, what you are saying is that in the work of Church World Service, working with communities is extremely important. You know, connecting these communities to further, you know, to uh, get into a situation that they can start a recovery. That we work for everybody. I think that's what I hear when I listen to you in terms of, you know, uh, interfaith approaches. Um, but also that CWS has been an organization that doesn't go in and out, um, but stays there as long as that is necessary. I would like to to uh, ask you, you know, is there? could you maybe share an anecdote or an experience um, what best describes your time with CWS, and it doesn't have to be related to 9/11. Can also be about your time in in India. If yeah, if you could try to uh, to recollect, that would be great. Uh,
0: I think during the time that I worked in the in the variety of programs, whether it was with Church World Service or with some of our ecumenical partners overseas, like Casa. Or some of the the refugee agencies in Africa, ecumenical groups. I I found that it was it was a very it was an approach that was always hopeful, uh, and I always felt like the people that we worked with, whether they were staff or executives in Church World Service, or whether they were in our crop offices or wherever Church World Service had their CWS plaque hanging out. These were really good people who were very committed to helping people in whatever way they possibly could. Very good people. And I found that as well with many of our ecumenical partners too. So it was a a nice link that made it feel like it was a a very large family. And uh, working with a, a family where you know that uh, you're appreciated and that you can contribute something along with everybody else, it just, it for me, it was a very, it was an excellent fit. And I always felt uh, affirmed by the people that I worked with, um, whether it was uh, in the Division of Overseas Ministries or in the Immigration and Refugee Program with the committee members, uh, wherever I worked with any of the CWS staff or any, even some of the committee members of CWS, I always felt affirmed and I always felt like I was a part of, of of a large family.
1: Let me piggyback a little bit of that on, on that. If you, if you have to name one colleague, you know, an ex colleague or a partner or a supporter uh, or a board member or CWS, who best embodies of what CWS is about? Who will you name and why?
0: Hmm. Uh, past
1: or present. Up to you, you know, can be past or present. Yeah.
0: Well, I think probably uh, the person that I I oftentimes uh, think of for helping me understand the ecumenical ap- approach to things um, was Lonnie Reverend Lonnie Turnipseed, who was the head of the Division of Overseas Ministries Southern Asia Office. Uh, I came to know him uh, before I went out to to India, and then, um, even though I related to him during the time that I was in India, and he was still at CWS when I moved over to the IRP in uh, 1986, he was a real inspiration for me, and he used to come to India to visit, and we always had long, long talks. I learned a lot from him. This this was a man who was probably the most uh, sincere and committed uh, person I, I've met, and he taught me many things. One of them that he taught me, and I still use today, and it seems even more appropriate today, given the context of our uh, COVID uh, emergency. And that is, he used to say, you know. Try to do one thing every day that makes a difference and that is good. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be splashy, but just do one thing that is good. You know, say good morning to somebody that you don't normally say good morning to, or help somebody with their groceries, or let that car that's trying to cut in front of you, let them cut in. It's okay. Just do something that is kind, at least one thing a day. And I always remember that. But also, he was, he was very good at uh, uh, giving me a lot of inspiration about how to work interfaith-wise, because I had not done that prior to coming to work with him in the, when I was at the Division of Overseas Ministries.
1: Um is there, um, you know, except for Augsburg, yeah, is there anybody else?
0: There, there are so many. Uh, no, but uh, I think, um, you know, working with Rick also, but in a different way. Rick was uh, also excellent to work with because he was, he was such an affirming person. Uh, and he was open to ideas and, and, and ways of doing things that perhaps were different. And um, he just he was always supportive. You could always count on him. Uh, and that was my experience for the, the many years that I worked with him. Mm-hmm. And of course, when he left, you know CWS, I continued to, to work with him on some other projects. But yes, he was an excellent person. He and Lonnie. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Ferris, I have a great deal of respect for. Um, her, ac- her academic accomplishments, her commitment to refugees and displaced persons is just, uh, is just incredible. So those are two, but I could, I could go on with many, and I think that uh, there have been many, many good people that I have worked with. Uh, some of them are no longer with us. Uh, and have gone ahead, and there are some that are still with us who I um, sometimes have contact with, because i I met her originally when she was at uh, wcc the World Council of Churches, so I knew her quite a long time before she came to be the the IRP director, and I was so happy when she when she came to IRP. Uh, it was just an excellent uh, choice.
1: Yeah, See, you know that she's on our board now. So she's back with us. Yes, you know? I saw that. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to say you would like to wish uh, for the organization?
0: Well, <clears throat> i'm I'm aware of twenty five years of the seventy five from my experience, and I have seen nothing but good works and responses to so so many uh communities both um, in responding to disasters and emergencies and catastrophic events, but also just uh promoting um issues oriented uh, um, such as um uh, landmines, which was uh, something that was uh, a big issue when I was uh, there. Also development issues, um, uh, food security, uh, development issues, child uh, protection issues, and so on, many, many issues. So it's not just the catastrophic events that CWS has responded to, but in my 25 years, that's what I have observed and experienced. But I know that they they did it 50 years before I came along, so I know that they, they have a lot of experience and they've done many good things. I hope, I very much hope, with the greatest sincerity, that they are able to continue on for more than a 75 years ahead, and to continue to bring that hope uh, to people who oftentimes are in despair, uh, to bring the kind of um, positive relationships between communities so that they can uh, grow and prosper and lead um, healthy and productive lives. I wish CWS to continue to do that for the next decades and decades.
1: Well, you th- thank you so much, uh bill and and it is you know it, it when i listen to your uh, stories and well we know each other for quite a number of years as well it's is there is a lot of gratitude um, you know from me who are still working for cws uh, today for everything that you have done and actually everything that you are still doing it's pretty uh, amazing so um, yeah you're you're will always remain to be part of the cws family um and um thank you so much for you know uh, your willingness to share some of those experience with me today and with uh, the people who are going to listen to this podcast um is there anything that you would like to you know elaborate on that we have touched upon to add uh, something that you know you might have Hey, I did not finish my story, or um, I forgot something, or um, is this okay? I,
0: I think we're pretty good here. I, I uh, obviously could go on and talk for yeah. hours, but <laughs> that wouldn't be a good thing. I think it's better to to keep what we've highlighted here. I must say I, I appreciate the opportunity to um, to share some of my. My experiences and thoughts, I really do appreciate it. I think uh in retirement, at least for me mm-hmm. uh, I continue to look for ways in which i can I can uh, repay or to bring back uh some usefulness to my own experience. I try to to look for that um and so being a part of this podcast has been the very nice thing for me to be able to share and i i thank you for inviting me to do this well no it's
1: it's great to to listen to you and you know what i what i realize also is that you know listening to, to you know how you were explaining in terms of the 911 response that um yes we are making some progress but then there are also some core genetic um you know issues that continue to be relevant for our work ahead and and um, so it's it's uh yes it's good to look forward but it's also important to look back and and uh to realize you know we some amazing things were done much more needs to be done um but there are yeah uh, important things that we have learned from and that should not be forgotten so um yeah thank you so much uh this this was great. For listening to walk, talk, listen, please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to know more about Church World Service, please check out cwsglobal.org. Thank you.